You are listening to Motivating from the Six. All right, guys, class is in session. The 101 of learning how to flip sneakers with entrepreneur Owen Osinde. Let's go. To have you stand up in your circumstances no matter what it is you are going through and demand change for the better. I'm your host, Jeff Martin of JeffADMartin.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I've been waiting to do this episode for a while. If you have been wanting to learn how to get into the sneaker game and start flipping sneakers, this is the episode that you want to listen to. If you are an entrepreneur and you want to learn about things that you need to do to continue to go forward, even in the most difficult of times, this is an episode that you want to listen to. But before we get into the details of that, I just want to thank you. For all of you who have clicked play, for all of you who have downloaded, for all of you who have subscribed, for all of you who have left a five-star rating and review, I got a special place in my heart for you guys. But I'm truly grateful because I know that your time is valuable and there are so many other things that you can be doing with your time. So the mere fact that you've even taken a moment to listen to this podcast, to listen to this episode, I am deeply, deeply grateful for you. Again, today's episode, if you have been looking to get into the shoe game, then this is the episode for you. I'll be honest, I wanted to do this episode for a while now because oftentimes when I take my kids to school or I see what a lot of the youth are doing, a lot of them have these amazing and expensive shoes on their feet. And there's nothing wrong with that if you can afford it. But the truth is, is that when you start having conversations with people and you hear what's happening at home, you hear the lack of money, you hear the lack of resources, but you see the amazing expensive shoes on their feet. Sometimes we have our priorities all mixed up. So I want to be able to give tools to everybody I can who listens. So maybe this show, this episode is not for you, but I guarantee it's for some of you who are listening. For those of you who would rather have Jordan pay for your Jordans, what I mean is you buy a pair and you sell them and you make some money, you buy a second pair, you sell them, you make some money, and eventually the money you make, you can actually use that money to buy your shoes so it's not coming out of your own pocket. If you're looking to get into the shoe game, into flipping shoes, then this is the episode for you. My man Owen Osinde really brings the details in regards to the shoe game and also just the fact that he has grown up with the feeling of wanting to be an entrepreneur and he has pursued that even though there were times in his life that his own parents did not believe in his path, but he believed and that's why he is succeeding Today, This is actually an episode that I learned so much from, and I know that you will learn a lot from it as well. I'm not going to hold you back any longer. Please welcome my man, Mr. Entrepreneur, Owen Osinde. Let's go.
Sinde. Welcome to Motivating from the Six. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm good, man. Thank you so much for coming in today and speaking to the listeners. And the reason why I wanted to have you on is because you are, I don't know if you are a guru uh, when it comes to the sneaker game, um, but you are someone who's definitely a lot more versed than myself and a lot of other people. And I really wanted you to bring the information 101 to really help anybody who's looking to get into the sneaker business, the flipping of the sneaker business, and really start to create something for themselves. Absolutely. I'm here to answer all the questions you got. Oh, man, I appreciate it. And I'll be honest with you. The reason why I wanted to have you on, for a couple of reasons anyway, is that oftentimes when we see people out there, everyone has a Jays on, right? Everyone has the Jordans on, and there's nothing wrong with wearing Jordans. I got my own pairs as well. But I think it's so important that we become more consumers, um, or, or sorry, I should say, we should become more creators than consumers. Absolutely. And if we're going to have Jordans on our feet, which is nothing wrong with that, let's create something to pay for them as opposed to, you know, falling into debt and now having, having nothing left in the bank account for education or, or, you know, investing in yourself or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the main reasons why I want to have you on today. Yeah. Let's just really just jump right into this. Tell me who you are and why you got into this shoe game yourself. Yeah, so uh, my name is Ono Sinde. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember since um, I'd say I got my first taste in entrepreneurship around grade, I think grade seven. It was around grade seven. Um, I lived in Sarnia, Ontario, which is southwest of London, Ontario. So it's between London and Windsor. And uh, I lived in a nice uh, suburban neighborhood. And um, it was around winter break. We were just relaxing at home. There was a massive snowstorm. And I was really bored. I didn't really have anything to do. So the neighborhood I live in, there's a lot of senior people who live in that place. So I knew a lot of them couldn't you know, get up in the morning and shovel their driveways. And I think it was about close to 12 inches of snow out there and they needed someone to do it. So my mom was just like, why don't you just go knock on the doors and get people to, you know, shovel their driveways, you know, get them to pay you 20 bucks. You know, it's better than sitting inside and watching the same reruns of the same shows you watch all the time. Why not just go get some exercise and, and uh, help your neighbors out? So that's what I did and uh, started knocking a few doors. Some people didn't open, but the ones that did open, they saw the, the spirit of someone who wants to help. And for them to pay 20 bucks to have someone to clean up their driveway, it was a no brainer for them because they didn't want to be out there. So the power of just being out there and making that money instead of going out and working at like a fast food restaurant, just the power of earning $20 right then and there, someone pays me. And the, the feeling that I got was the, that power of being uh, autonomous and just going from next door to next door and like still accumulating money and I can end my day and I can take my money home with me. So that feeling just spurred me on to start thinking of new things that I can do to have that same feeling over and over. So I reached around high school where um, I was thinking about what I was going to do with my life. I knew I wanted to be in business. My dad was talking to me about going into insurance. I didn't know what insurance was, but he's in finance and he's like, Hey, you know, like you can be in finance like me. I was like, you know what? That's, that's interesting, but I didn't really see the creative side of it. So 
the big thing that hit me happened around grade 11. And uh, this is a time like, you know, why you got to start getting your grades up so you can go to university. Um, I used to buy a lot of clothes from this website called karmaloop.com. They don't exist anymore, but I used to buy stuff from LRG, the hundreds. Yeah. Juicy. And, you know, I was like, you know what? Like I was taking the clothes out of the box. I'm like, wow, why can I, I can make clothes like this. I have ideas. I think I have, I can create a brand on my own. So like when I decided to do that, I made that decision right then and there. And the funny thing is, is like, if you asked me right that day when I was in my room, how do you start a company? I would have told you, I don't even know how to start a company. Like, but in my mind, I made the decision that I was going to do it. And the thing is, I had the belief that I could make it happen even without the resources uh, in front of me. So once I made that decision, I became so um, hungry just for knowledge on how to build a business. I'd go uh, on YouTube, watching YouTube videos of like, you know, what a businessman is. And then I came across the word entrepreneur and I started reading more about entrepreneurship, started reading more books. Um, you know, anytime I could get my hand on something, I'll just read it. I get books on my iPhone using iBooks. And then at night before I sleep, before I was going to bed, I'll just read, read, read. And I just kept um, putting more knowledge in myself and finding ways on how I can execute on this. So one thing I did was just like wrote, took a piece of paper, started writing down ideas. Um, I didn't know how to design. So I just took like a piece of paper, mock, uh, drew a mock t-shirt and like a design on it. And they were like really crappy designs when I look back at them. But the more I kept doing it every single day after school, the more like my ideas started to flow and become better and better and better. Wow. And then, um, I was like, you know what? I need to have a name. I need to think of a brand name. So I, I was in the kitchen with my mom. She's cooking dinner. And I was sitting on the island table, like right then on the bar stool. And I had my notebook and I had like a hundred names. And um, one of the names that I thought of was I think I was watching City News TV, like, you know, she just had it on right there. And I saw some military guys, you know, like, and I, you know, I, I was just looking for inspiration from anywhere. And, you know, I was like the troops, you know, the recruits. So like, I, I came across the recruits. I was like, you know what, that sounds neat. So I, I just wrote it down. Like I wrote anything that came to my head. So I went down through the names, spoke to my mom about it. And uh, we both came to the realization, you know, the recruit sounds good. So we just stuck with it. So the whole brand was called the recruits. And uh, over time, after a couple of months, I'd go back to school, tell my friends like, Hey bro, I'm doing a clothing line. And they didn't really think I was going to pull it off. But um, one thing about me is like, when I put my word out there that I'm going to do something, it's going to get done no matter how long it takes, it's going to get done and I'll find a way to do it. Mm. So my friend, one of my best friends, uh, his name is Mike Rocca. I told him about it. He's like, Hey, what do you think of this name? He's like, yeah, it's good. He's just like, why don't you just take out the, the, and just keep it recruits. I was like, Hmm, you know what? I'm kind of feeling that. So right then and there recruits was born. So I finished, um, now I went to grade 12. Like I remember that summer was when I got the idea, it was summer of grade 11 going to grade 12. Uh, grade 12, I was just learning, learning, learning. And I knew I was about to graduate high school and go to university and come to Ryerson. And um, there was a thing called Summer Company, which they give uh, students between 18 and uh, 25, I believe, uh, $3,000 to start a business. So once I, I applied for that and then um, 
I got 3K from the government. And then also nice. I had some of my, my own money I'd saved up from like cutting grass and, you know, uh, shoveling driveways. And that was my startup capital. So I joined the program, um, got a lot of coaching from the, the people who were in the uh, summer company. And um, one of the guys who was in the program was a website builder. So I'm like, hey, bro, like I need to make a website. So I was like, okay, don't worry. I got you. I'm going to help you with it. So okay. he helped me build a website. Um, and I told another kid from my school, uh, his name is Mason. I was like, man, I need to design this thing. I have this idea. I didn't even know he's a designer, but I was so passionate about what I was doing. He's like, hey, bro, you know, I, I play with graphic design in my spare time. I can help you out. I'm like, man, I'll be more than happy if you could. And just for his, like, you know, time and generosity, I was just like, hey, man, I'll pay you like a hundred bucks just for you doing this. So he designed a couple of T-shirts according to the line that I wanted. And uh, he designed my logo. And right then and then, Recruits was born. I was, I was up on... Um, Google searching where I can find blank t-shirts and just doing research and reading forums and all these different Reddit pages. You know, I came across one um, blank called All Style Apparel. So like they also make like American apparel t-shirts and everything like that. Right. So I ordered around like 50, uh, small, medium, large, and uh, extra large. And, you know, just got the t-shirts, went around the city, trying to find a silkscreen designer. And uh, then from then found them, designed the shirts, took the photos of the shirts, posted on the website and just hustled all my way. Came to, yeah, I came to Ryerson and that's when like my, my uh, entrepreneurship journey really began when I really brought the brand to Ryerson and I was staying at the residence and, you know, I had all this merchandise with me. I, I made more t-shirts and I was like, you know what, I'm going to blow this thing up when I go to Ryerson. So and then that's when recruits started. Wow, I, I love that. There's so many pieces in there that you talked about that that are just gems. You know, you talked about starting off by cutting grass, and it's funny because just yesterday I was talking to my two oldest boys, ten and six years old. We saw the neighbor getting their grass cut by somebody who had a, a John Deere lawnmower, mm -hmm. and I said to them, you know, chances are that person started out the exact same way. They rang on a doorbell with a regular lawnmower, started cutting. And they eventually moved up and, and made more money to buy that John Deere and create a company. Yeah. And I love the fact that you did that. And then you use that as your seed money mm -hmm. to, to put into your clothing line recruit, which as you said, used to be the recruit, which kind of reminds me of the Facebook, which is now Facebook, right? Yeah. yeah. The. <laughs> and so you've gotten to the point now where you have this clothing line recruit. And then of course you have gotten into the shoe game as well. So just, it just adds to your, your 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 resume so to speak of being an entrepreneur yeah you know the thing is about um recruits was um after my first year of uh i went to ryerson for the business program and you know i killed it at ryerson uh in terms of just selling so i was so focused on building the business that i wasn't really performing at my best uh you know uh, for my academic work mm -hmm. so i went to my parents and i told them like listen like i think um I really want to take a, a year off from school so I can just go build this brand. What did your parents really, say? Oh man, they, they didn't really, they didn't really like that. You know, like we come from an immigrant family and you know, education is paramount. Like, I mean, they want you to come here, read, study, right. you know, get your degree, get your master's, get a right. PhD. Like, you know, education is a ticket and that's how they saw it uh, growing up. So I can't really blame them. Mm -hmm. I told them like, mom, dad, this is a different era. 
I can legit, you know, build a YouTube channel. I can do this. I can have a big following. I can get sponsors. There's so much ways to make a living these days being creative and on your own time. Absolutely. I didn't really, they didn't really see it like that. Yeah. So regardless of uh, what they thought, I decided to go ahead and do it. Um, they didn't really support it, but I had such a high belief in my abilities that um, I told them, like, just give me some time. Regardless of anything, I can come back to Ryerson. So they just like, they were upset, but they're like, you know what? You've never disappointed us your whole life. You've always been a good person, a good kid. Uh, if you really believe in this, then like, we'll just sit back and watch you do it. So once I did that, Jeff, I mean, things hit the fan, you know, like, I mean, things just blew up in my face. You know, I sold all the merchandise I had. I had some left over and um, I was living with my friends who were still in school. One was still in, one was out of school as well. And one was still in school. So we're staying in the same spot and, you know, things were hard because my parents were so upset with me that they were not willing to financially support me. The only, they, the only way they'll do it is if I was in, still in school. So here I am, I had sold, I think, close to $15,000 uh, in sales just off residence. And wow. I don't know if you know that square card reader, like where you can swipe someone's credit card using your phone. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I was using to collect payments because we were out on half cash. I'm like, oh, no worries. I got you with the credit card swiper. So like, wow. So wow. everywhere you go on campus, you see someone with a recruits t-shirt or sweater. And uh, it was like the hot thing. Like that's how I built my name. My Ryerson was just through recruits. Wow. So I reached a point where I was working, I think I was working at Abercrombie in the mall just to try and make a living. And I was looking at my brand and, you know, I'm like, all the money I had, it's still going back in the business. And it's, um, I need a lot more capital to make a lot more clothes, but I need marketing money to market it. And that's when I realized that the, the fashion industry, it's a very competitive industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I tried everything. I tried some, the celebrity route. I remember, um, the Raptors were coming to the Harbor Front Center to do a media meet and greet with some kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know what? I'm going to take some clothes. I'm going to go over there and like give it to the Raptors. So for some reason, the organizer of the event thought that I was a media person because I had my camera. So they let me into the basketball court, which that blocked off and the kids were behind the gates. So I'm there standing with like DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay. I go up to DeMar. I'm like, hey, bro, like, I just wanted to come here and meet you and also like give you this shirt. Uh, you're one of my favorite players. And he looked at this shirt and like the face he had was just like, yo, this is dope, man. You made this. I'm like, yeah, man. He's just like, so he took the shirt. I also gave a t-shirt to Rudy Gay. And that same weekend as well, uh, Travis Scott was coming into town. I was like, wow. you know what? I have to meet Travis. So he was at the Stussy store uh, back at Queen and Nosington. And um, he was doing a meet and greet there. So I'm like, I was waiting for hours to sh for him to show up. I was standing in line. And the funny thing is that line that I made of t-shirts was actually inspired by Travis when he was at uh, Houston. Okay. And I was designing the line. I was like, man, like Travis did this, this, and that. And each piece told a story of what Travis's uh, journey was into music. So for me to have that shirt that I designed, that was inspired by him and me go meet with him at Stussy and give him the shirt was just... Uh, I was like divine intervention, bro. Like it just, it, I couldn't just, I couldn't script that, you know? So I, I'm there with Travis, I'm giving him the shirt and this is the person that inspired me. Wow. Um, so yeah. And from then on, like, I feel like that was the beginning of like, I could see things going down if I didn't have funding and I needed to switch it up. So slowly, like the brand was kind of there, but I was thinking of more ideas and um, I started um, the sneaker journey began 
when I was working for this company called Linen Chest. So Linen Chest was a, it's like a home decor store and they're opening one up at the stockyards. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I got the job there because I needed to pay rent, needed to pay my bills. And uh, I was doing the stock room. So whenever I'd be like stacking boxes, you know, I'd be like spinning some rhymes and just to keep myself entertained, um, putting the boxes on shelves and everything. And in between that, I'd be, lo- I'd be on Facebook looking at the sneaker groups. And I used to be part of like Toronto sneaker group, like this uh, Toronto um, size is 10, 11, 12. There's many different groups that you can find on Facebook. So I used to like look at what people are posting and I'd be getting Facebook notifications from these sneaker groups. So when I'd be doing that, um, you know, it just like, I'd be doing it casually, but I didn't really think much of it. And then as I was starting to work, you know, I just started like talking and like, you know, I I don't know, I said a word like kicks on deck or something like that. And then I let it go at that. So then I was just taking a break and then the name sneaker deck just like popped off in my head. I think it was just the, the mental flow, my mind was thinking sneakers. It was thinking stacking boxes on shelves. It was like, that's the deck. So I came up together and I came up with this name sneaker deck. So I wrote it down on my iPhone notes. And then as I was working, um, the manager comes up to me and he tells me, oh, her, she tells me, hey, Owen, I I don't think um, you're a good fit. So mind you, the store's not even open yet. Like the stores, like we're the opening team to help this store come to fruition. Wow. And she tells me, I don't think you're a good fit for the culture. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm legit just stacking boxes. I think for <laughs> her, uh, she just didn't want me talking. You know, I'm a talkative guy because like you were, you, we are here stacking boxes and we just for hours, for like eight hours of the day and taking things out. And you want me to be quiet and not interact with the person next to me. Like that was just ludicrous. Right. So she's just like, oh, we have to let you go. I've spoken to the owner. So I was like, you know what? It's all good. Thank you for everything you've done. And I hopped on the streetcar and like I went back home. So as I'm on the streetcar, I'm upset. I'm feeling like very like, how could they fire me? Who are they? And that's when I really realized, you know what? When you're when you're in that position, you are you're you're they control everything about you. Like you need that's when I realized, you know what? Equity is important. If if I have my own company, this would not have happened. Like how like I hated that feeling of being fired. I felt so hopeless and I couldn't do anything. And I just thought like, man, imagine just going through life, just being fired and fired. Like every day you're showing up like uh, with the hopes of not getting fired. And I know, and it's not to come down on people with jobs, but for me, it's um, because you can be loving what you're doing and you can be a great person um, towards an organization. But for me, especially like, I think personally that feeling of like being sacked right there on the spot and it could be any time, like you're like right. you're just walking on eggshells. I didn't like that feeling. And that's when I realized, you know what? I'm forever going to be an entrepreneur. I'm gonna mm-hmm. build my own company and I'm create my own organization and I'm I'm gonna instill practices which inspire employees to be themselves and not make them feel as if like their job is in jeopardy all the time. Like I took that experience, I was like, you know, I'm gonna create my own thing. And it was at that it was at that moment that you really it sounds like on that streetcar ride you just kind of really came to that realization that you have to create your own thing or continue to create your own thing. Yeah, I think it uh, ignited me even more to really make it as an entrepreneur more than anything. And I remember I was like just on the like close to the verge of tears because here I was, my parents are not talking to me. 
I needed this job more than ever. And uh, right then and then they just like took it away from me and I, and I had to start from square one. And um, so I came back, I I tried to get another job and I came back to my place and I was just thinking like sneaker deck. I, I remember looking at that name. I was like, thinking why isn't there like a a uh like a marketplace for sneakers like why doesn't this thing exist so i wrote that idea down i started like making a business canvas and just like playing around with the idea of like creating a marketplace for sneakers i knew facebook was a great tool for people to uh, connect uh, through the sneaker groups but i knew it was not tailored for the sneaker head to you know resell their sneakers so Mm -hmm. I started like using a lean model canvas, which is like a one pager where you write the problem, the solution uh, of your, of your business idea, the revenue streams, uh, the target market, um, you know, the things you need, the, the cost structure of the business. So I started filling this out. And then I, I told my girlfriend at the time, like, what do you think of this idea? And the thing, um, with her and I, I used to picture so many ideas and she knew I was very entrepreneurial and she had a very good eye on what's hot and what's not. And I'd picture so many things and she would tell me, oh, that's not good. That's not good. And then I pictured this one. And she's like, oh, you know what? I think that could work. And we looked at the market and I realized there was nothing that existed at the time. So this was okay. around 2014. Okay. So, um, at this time, I didn't even know how to make a website, like, uh, like from an application standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know how to do anything. So now I had to start from scratch again, like the same way I did with recruits, finding that specialized knowledge to really take things from uh, nothing into something. So I spent a year going to hackathons, uh, meeting developers, and um, talking about my idea to see who can, you know, hop on the idea and see, if, hey, you know what, I, I, I really like what you're doing. So people came, people left. And uh, at the time I got a job at Good Life Fitness as a salesperson, and I remember I was doing a referral booth and I met uh, one of my co-founders there. His name is Ryan McDonald. So he was working at a web design firm. And uh, I told him about the idea. I was like, hey, let's meet up for coffee. So I pitched him the idea. He's just like, you know what? I'm feeling it. We start working on it. And uh, I think things at work got super busy for him. And he had to hop off the project. Okay. And, um, you know, I went back to, I put the idea on the shelf that's the time I was going back to school. And then when I started back in school, I, I was in an entrepreneurship class and um, the teacher is like, Hey, if you have an idea, come up and pitch the idea to the class. So I was like, you know what? If, um, if this idea is not working for me, at least I can keep the dream alive by working, working on it as a school project. Okay. I, I go on the, on the, at the front, pitch the idea, I pitched it so well. I'm a good public speaker and I can like, I can pitch things really well. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people came up to my group after and the last person to, to join me ended up being my co-founder. His name is uh, Jason. So, you know, we worked on it as a school project, but Jason came up to me and said, Hey bro, like, I think we can do something with this. I'm like, I can help you design the, the, the UI. I can help you do this at this point, Jeff. I mean, I had nothing. I mean, I, I was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a flyer on this guy. What's the worst that could happen? I'm already at the bottom. 
yeah. let's just let's just go from whatever. At least by the two minds working together, we can at least track another mind. I was like, you know what? I can call back Ryan. This is a year later. This is like now like 2015 going to 16. Okay. So I at least call Ryan. Now he was working on Shopify as one of the lead developers. I was like, wow, like he must have a lot of experience now. So I call him up. I'm like, Ryan, bro, uh, what are you doing? How are things going? He's like, man, everything's going great. Got this new job at Shopify. I'm like, you have a lot more time now. You're going to come back and try the sneaker deck thing again. He's like, yeah, sure. Why not, bro? Like, I mean, you know, what's the worst that could happen? So I'm like, thank God. So now things are starting to roll back again. Okay. And from then on, met up together and uh, we started to mastermind how we can make this uh, sneaker deck platform work. Oh man, that's amazing. That's amazing. So it's funny because, you know, we connected because I reached out on social media to a group. You just talked about Facebook groups. I reached out to a Facebook group looking for someone to speak on this podcast about flipping sneakers. Mm -hmm. And so somehow we got connected and that's what I was really hoping to have you come on to talk about. But, you know, you're telling me about everything you've been through in terms of your story of entrepreneurship, of, of creating something and failing it and not finding your way in school, but finding your way in, in, in building a company. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm inspired by you um, in terms of what you were talking about. I can hear, uh, I can see uh, some similarities with your story and mine. I started a clothing line back in the day as well. Yeah. And um, so I know the feeling of, of, of that as well. Um, but then here you are, and obviously along your journey, you've had pitfalls, you've had stumbles, but mm -hmm. you were able to create this company, Sneaker Deck, and build it into something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it was more than a blessing to have Ryan and uh, Jason back into the fold because we all had certain skills. I mean, I was more of like the the driving force behind the vision because I really got the market. I understood the the, the customer and they added that technical expertise. And Jason had, was a great designer. Like he taught himself how to design. And then we had Ryan who's a great developer. Mm -hmm. And Jason and I, we decided to teach ourselves coding. So we spent a summer learning, you know, web development. Uh, we wow. took like a, a, an immersive course online. So we taught ourselves like the basics. Um, he became like super good because he fell in love with it. He was so passionate about it. Like now he's a great developer. So now we had the three of us and, you know, we really were excited to do this. So the first thing I told the guys, I was like, listen, boys, we have to build a, an MVP, which is a, a minimal viable product to really see if this thing can uh, work in the market. So we asked ourselves, you know, what is the biggest thing that we can do that, uh, what is the one thing, what's the one problem that sneakerheads have in the market? Well, I've been a part of these Facebook groups and one of the things I realized was, there was this need to always validate if someone is a legit seller on Facebook. Right. Yes. There's no way to see their, their credentials, their, their past uh, selling history, uh, what people think about them. So what people would do would be, they'd be like, I need a legit check on, well, let's say it's Jeff Martin. I need a legit check. They'll post that. Mm -hmm. People will comment on it. Like, yeah, yeah, legit, legit, legit. And that would give you the, validation if you're an actual good seller so i was like you know what that's one thing we can include another thing is is that you know it's it's very difficult to scroll through facebook down and down to find sneakers and to see the quality of them i'm like how about if we just group all this information together in a nice form you can see the pictures you can message the seller and you can decide to meet up so we decided to build something where you can locally meet up and each profile had 
you know, you can rate someone after the transaction. You can leave comments about them. You can see all the other sneakers they're selling. And uh, it just gave you like a, a sneaker profile. It was a, it's a, it's a profile of our sneaker head. Like what would it be? So we listed everything that the shoe would be that would need and what the person would be like if they're on sneaker deck with this is their, their reviews and ratings. This is what people thought about them and et cetera. So Ryan and Jason, we built, we quickly built this thing in two weeks and um, I was like, okay, now we need to think about marketing. Like how could we, how could we make this thing like a very good like platform to sell? Right. And uh, my other buddy, Colin, I was in residence with him at, at uh, Ryerson. He started his own media production company. So I'm like, Hey Colin, man, like I need the, I need a video. So we spent a whole day making this quick video, just showing like the, we, it was a very great, great video. And uh, we spent about like six hours filming it. It was at his apartment and it was at Dundas Square. So we just showcased the website. We show me, the seller, meeting up with the buyer at Dundas, transacting the whole thing, him going back, leaving a review and, you know, saying five stars, you know, great seller, blah, 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 blah. It was about a minute long. So I was like, you know what? Instead of spending money on this video and using uh, Facebook ads, why don't we just upload the video up in the sneaker groups in sneakers, like sneaker group, Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, uh, anywhere in the country, like any sneaker group that exists in Canada, we're going to post this video in it. So I remember my, 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 uh, Jason and I, we were in the library, we were studying and we had this video. I'm like, bro, I'm going to post this video in this groups. Let's see the analytics board and see what happens so we can validate this. And honestly, that that moment we posted the video, we were looking at the the dashboard, and we're just seeing like a bunch of people sign up for Sneaker Deck. Wow. Uh, I think we got a twelve hundred users in like two hours. Wow! And, and yeah, and then we saw people posting their sneakers, and right then and then I was like, "Wow, we have something here!" Absolutely. That was like the beginning of Sneaker Deck, and everything everything started with that one video. And that one version, the version one to prove that this is actually a viable thing and we can turn it into a business. Oh man, that's beautiful. So I I do want to get into the details of actually flipping sneakers. However, saying that uh, sneaker deck, is there a website right now? Yeah. So sneaker deck, um, we ended sneaker deck, I think we're in 2019 August. So around, I think it was our May 2018. So one thing we realized was we built it up, but it was not very a cash flow positive business. Okay. There's a lot of cost that went into it. And we felt that there's no point of building this thing because um, when you have a business and there's no cash flow, even though you are making cash, hmm. the whole trend, the whole business model we had was like based off a transaction system where if you sell it to a person, we'll just take the transaction fee from that whole sale between you two. Gotcha. So one of the things is that you need um, a lot of things to make a marketplace work. You need a lot of sellers and you also need a lot of buyers. Right. The, the, the demand needs to have sizes nine to 12 of like every single brand. And you need to have maybe 20 pairs of those sneakers uh, like in a size seven, size eight, whatever you need, you need a lot more supply than you need. So if someone comes, Hey, I want to buy this like, um, easy or whatever, they have it in every size and they have it in like mint condition. 
Because we a lot, we people just needed people were coming on posting their sneakers, and once it's gone, it's gone, and then there's no other Yeezy on on, right. on, on the market. So gotcha. it's really difficult to really build a business because we couldn't serve people because they'll come on, they'll find it, then they'll leave. So it was really hard to make money, and right. also facing a lot of competition from the states with um, firms like StockX, mm-hmm. the Goat app, yeah. I mean, they were backed like with millions in funding and they were just like penetrating the market. So it became so hard to compete, especially with just the two of us. That's, and we're doing a full-time course load. So we just had to like uh, close it down and, and uh, move on from it because we just saw like, hey, let's, we can work on a new project. We can take everything we have here and we can flip it into something. And yeah, so it doesn't exist, but we had a lot of uh, fun doing it and okay. definitely took a lot from it. Oh man. And, and, you know, when it comes down to it, I don't think there's any failure out there that you don't learn from. So, mm-hmm. you know, at the end, you know, even though it was something you had to close down and recruit as well, is that still going on? No recruits. Uh, no, I, I stopped recruits to start sneaker deck and okay. uh, yeah. So each, each business, I could say it ran its course in a way. So absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just building you up to create that next, you know, the, the next own Amazon, whatever it is that you got, you know, going on in your head, it's all taking steps towards that next big goal. So I don't doubt, I have no doubt, you know, at all that you will be smashing it at the next thing. If you haven't even started already, I'm sure you have. Yeah. I mean, I'm brewing up ideas. I'm thinking of things and uh, it's all about trying things every single day. And as I always say, you know, you only have to be right once. And right. Once, once you're right one time, you know, you can be like, you know what, everything led up to this moment. And uh, that's when your big success comes. So it takes a lot of failures to get to that one winner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. Okay. So let's get into this, the nitty gritty of the shoe game. Mm -hmm. So if someone is looking to start out to get into buying sneakers to flipping them, what would be a very good shoe for them to start with? What would you say? Um, The one thing about flipping shoes right now, it's that there's a lot of shoes that come out and once they're out, their value is high at that point. So you have to think of it as a, as a stock or like a stock you're investing in. Um, there's certain stocks which like exist, which the value is always going to be high. And then there's certain shoes which come out and um, they make them in small pit in like small um, quantities out in the market. And if you have that, you can hold on to that pair for a long time and you can like sell it later on for, you know, $2,000, $3,000. So there's no right answer and there's no wrong answer because it's all speculative, right? So one example I can give you is um, if you look at like, let's say the Yeezy 350, like the, the Yeezy Boost that came out um, three years ago. At the time when they came out, you know, if you had a pair and you resold that pair, You'd make a solid, solid profit. But the one thing a lot of people did was they held on to the pair for so long that the value of it became so low that it didn't even matter. Even if you try to resell it, they were making, Adidas was making a lot more of the same pair. So there was no reason for you to hold on to the pair because they realized, you know what? We can actually sell a lot more of these sneakers than, you know, what, than what's out there. Okay. The market. So, and a lot more fakes were becoming on the market. So it was easy for you to rock a fake and it looked legit. 
So even if you say you have a legit pair, no one's going to believe you because you know what? It could be fake. It could be real. But I can go get a fake pair as well and and wear it. And I don't care if it's fake. You know, a lot of people like will wear fake sneakers and be like, you know what? It doesn't matter because I'm not really a sneakerhead. I just want to look cool wearing a pair of Yeezys. Right. So, you know, it, it depends what kind of shoe you really have. I mean, all the Jordans, um, they also started losing a lot more of their value because they started re-releasing them over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So you have like you have people with like uh, the same pair, but if you have like maybe like the off-white Air Jordan Air Force Ones, those ones will be good to have and hold on to because even if you had the pair, you're gonna make profit, but not as like a large, large profit as if you were selling like the true Air Jordan Ones that came out back in the day. Um, so, yeah it's very, very tough because sneakers come out like every Saturday and if it's fine, if you get it, you can sell it right then and there. But some people make the mistake of holding on to a pair that um, loses its value. And then, you know, you wasted your time standing in line to get that pair on a Saturday morning, the the night before it drops, you know, you don't really do anything. So yeah. So that's how it goes. Okay. So take me through, there's a situation where there's a, a pair of shoes coming out and somebody thinks they're hot and how do they get their hands on these shoes? What is the process to get your hands on these rare pair of shoes? So for example, I know earlier this year, uh, Nike dropped the, uh, the Travis Scott's, the latest mm-hmm. pair of Travis Scott's and they were the hottest item. Um, if somebody wants to get their hands on a pair of those, what would they have to do? Um, if you, there's two ways you can go on about it. Yeah. So let's say if you are in a place where there's a sneaker store that you know is carrying that uh, pair, um, you can go like, it sounds very simple, but you can go camp out days before. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's not simple. Owen. That's not simple. Not to me anyway. Yeah. Not to you. Not anyway, but um, it's like more of a, if you have the time and you know the, the secondary market value of the shoe is going to be, you know, $2,000. Then you standing outside in line for like those 24 hours, even if it's winter, bracing the cold and like just chilling there waiting for the time to come. You know, if you sell that, you're going to make up for that time you've been out there, right? Mm, Okay. One of the things is doing that. Another thing is you can just um, use one of the apps. Like, you know, it sounds weird for me to endorse them because they're great services. You know, you can use StockX and uh, Goat. Uh, they have a very good service of, you know, legitimizing uh, a true authentic pair of sneakers. So if you go there and someone is reselling them, you know you're going to get a legit pair. You're going to end up paying a premium of the sneaker. Um, you're not going to pay a retail price for it like as you would because to pay the retail price, A, you can get, you can stand in line for 24 hours plus, you know, just chilling there or you can get a bot um for your for the e-commerce store so when you do when it does drop at that point a bot can place your contact information your shipping details and your credit card information right then and there and buy the shoe for you right okay a bot a bot is very it's a there's a lot of people who get the bots i never used a bot i never really experienced using it so i can't really speak on it um, but I do know my friends I went to school with who are like massive sneakerheads. Um, 
used bots to buy like several pairs of sneakers because it had different laptops on different on on the browser ready to buy so that's the way and then if you don't end up getting the pair you can go through facebook go through the facebook groups and use the trusted sellers if they got the pair or you can just use go or StockX, these marketplaces which are very trusted in uh, selling uh reselling the same shoe but you're gonna have to pay like a like a, a fee for it because that's another seller selling it right you're being StockX, and you're like you're trusting that you're gonna get this sneaker in like a couple of days and that it's also legit okay okay that makes sense mm-hmm. and so Somebody, again, let's use the ex- example of the Travis Scotts. They came out. And what did they retail for roughly? You know, I've been uh, so far from, like, the sneaker process for, like, the past year. So I haven't really been keeping up for it uh, on the sneaker news. So I can honestly say I don't know because, um, you know, building Sneaker Deck and just being in that whole market and just, you know, it, it became very, very, how would I describe it? just tiresome honestly Jeff. absolutely right so once sneaker deck shut down like i, I became so di- like I, I i unattached myself from all sneaker news all related stuff i got out of the groups i just wanted to recreate myself as a brand new entrepreneur as a brand new person building a, a new business you know whatever that's gonna be so i can't really tell you like i can't i, I can't give you an answer to that question and I, and I get that. It's almost like when somebody works at McDonald's, the last thing want, they want to eat is a Big Mac, right? They've just been in, in that uh, field for so long. But, okay, yeah. so let's say, you know, Travis Scott's, let's say roughly about $300, give or take, probably, um, mm-hmm. retail. Um, those are a rarity. You can make some good money on those ones if you had those. Mm-hmm. However, there's some other shoes as well that you can probably you, you make maybe a little bit less, but if you are consistent enough in terms of, the process, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, the little bit of each shoe will add up. Yeah. Do you think that the whole game is profitable? It seems like it's a big thing now. If you started it 10 years ago, I think maybe it wasn't as saturated. But do you think someone can get in the game right now and still uh, make money, make a living from it? Uh, make a living? Uh, no, not really make a living. Okay. Um, but make money off of it? Yeah, absolutely. I feel the culture has gone so much bigger. There's a lot more avenues now for you to resell the sneakers. And, um, you know, to be honest, even with you, there's a lot more people making a lot like, you know, saying this sounds very bad, but a lot of people are making really good fake sneakers, right? Mm. So that whole market in itself is also hot, right? A lot of people from China are making exact exact replicas of the same shoe so wow they're they're the they're if you really want to make a lot of money then the money is in that game again i saying i'm saying this with all due respect to the sneaker game and everything Mm -hmm. that it uh brings i'm an authentic guy like i'll never sell a fake pair of sneakers but just talking about the game and what it's made those are true breadwinners uh the people who are selling sneakers right now yeah, you'll make money. You'll make a couple hundred dollars here, $300 there, but it shall not be a full-time thing. It should be like a side hobby business you're doing. Okay. Where, hey, you know, I can build my collection and it's worth this much. And one day you can decide to cash in. 
mm-hmm. and on, on everything. And then you can make your, your big payday. You can make like your 10 grand, 15 K, but okay. to get that big payday, it's like, it takes a long time because you got to build up your inventory. You got to build your inventory of like the true authentic J's of like that came out years ago, which you can all get a hand, your pair on your hands on a pair. Um, exclusive sneakers like um, ASICs and collaborations. I mean, if you really want to get a lot of money, you should get your hands on uh, shoes that are collaborations with different designers. So for example, Ronnie Feig, um, he's a big designer. So he works with New Balance and ASICs and he's a founder of Kit. So a lot of the sneakers he made, you know, five years ago, if you got a pair of those ones, you know, you you can make a lot of money. I remember there's a shoe that, you know, if you get your hands on this, it's the, um, I think it's the Salmon Toes. The Salmon Toes uh, he did, I believe it's with New Balance. Is it New right. Balance? Yeah. I think, yeah, Ronnie Fike, Salmon Toes. If you get your hands on those, you can easily, you can easily sell those for $2,000 minimum. Okay. You know? wow. Because those are limited pairs and, it's like a collaboration and it's a hot shoe. So he has a line of shoes he did as a collaboration with a six and new balance. So those, those things, those type of sneakers are where you can actually make a lot more money, but you know, doing like the Yeezys, the Yeezys is kind of, you know, they're losing their value. So you can't really make a lot more money, but if you want to like collect sneakers and hold on to them, those collaborations with like the Ronnie Fags, um, the off-white sneakers, I mean, yeah, they're also coming decreasing in value. Like I, I kind of like check here and there, like on those type of things, but I'd, I'd say get start, get your hands on shoes where people are collaborated with big designers and you know, they're not going to make them again for sure because it's a one-time thing. Right. You want to make a lot more money, but if it's like a Nike play coming out with like a brand new Jordan, they're remastering it to do this, this and that. Yeah, it's hot, but you know you can get your hands on those like through StockX or something. Okay. okay. All right. So I'm glad you brought that up. So back in May, I took my boys, my 10 and my six-year-old down to Foot Locker, and we we're going to mm-hmm. do some research on shoes. And lo and behold, there was a lineup and mm-hmm. they were selling the uh, the Jordan 4s. They, they uh, re-released those, the breads. And so, you know, just kind of talking to the employees at Foot Locker, uh, and hearing about those being re-released, uh, we actually got our hands on a couple pair of those. So people who were in line mm-hmm. um, or people who were supposed to show up for their pairs did not show up. So we got our hands mm-hmm. on a couple of um, eight and a halves. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I still have those shoes um, just because, again, I'm, I'm learning as I go along. And I'm not really looking to get into the sneaker game per se, but I'm looking to, again, kind of teach my boys the art of creating their own. Mm-hmm. So what would you say would be the best method for me or someone like me in, in that situation, um, having those shoes um, to make the best of that situation? And the best of the situation in a sense of reselling the sneakers? like Yeah, reselling them and making um, a little bit more than they're worth. Um, again, trying to teach these lessons to my kids and to anybody yeah. else listening. Uh, one thing I'll do is just the research right you have to go and feel the pulse of the market at the time right so let's say that just came out right then and there you know the demand is high so you can go through the sneaker forums um, sneakers reddit you know you can hop in the conversation 
And uh, you can just like, you know, the thing about sneakers, right? It's like you can just, you know, you don't have to use your real name, right? But you can just hop in the conversation and contribute and you can see what people are saying about Air Jordan 4s. So for example, they'll definitely have an Air Jordan 4 thread going on and people will be talking about it like, hey, where can I get it? So you put yourself in the conversation and you can get a feel of like how much the shoes are worth. So mm-hmm. then once you, feel a sh- once you feel a sense of how much they're worth, if you want to sell it locally where you can meet up uh, you know, here in Toronto with someone, you can just say, hey, um, join like the biggest sneaker group on Facebook. It's called Toronto Shoe Game, right? Um, last time I checked, I had like, I think, I don't know, 14K members or something around there. It, had, it, it has a lot of people in it. And then now that you, you have your data, you can see what StockX is saying. StockX also has like a great ticker on how much the value of shoes are. Absolutely. Um, that's one of the things I love about them. It's like they give you update market prices for it. Sometimes it could be right. Sometimes it could be wrong. Um, but yeah, you can use those two ways of just like feeling out what people are saying and immersing yourself in the whole culture of sneakers through every single challenge you can find. And uh, once you go there, you can actually come to the marketplace with, hey, this is my ask. And people are going to think, you know what, that's actually not a bad ask. I'm willing to pay that price for it. And if you want to just do it locally, meet up, not have to go through the transaction fees of StockX, then just do that and you make your money and you keep it moving. Okay. It's simple like that, honestly. Okay. Okay. And that makes sense because it sounds like, you know, when you look at some of these apps like StockX and some of these other ones, uh, Sneakerhead, I think is another one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these different websites you talked about, the GOAT as well, uh, you're, you're, you're mailing them off sometimes overseas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people sometimes are still a little bit uh, not so much trustworthy when it comes to the internet. So there is a market locally, wherever you are, whether it be Toronto, whether it be Chicago, wherever you are, there is a market of people who, you know, are interested in, in, in purchasing sneakers. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's always a marketplace anywhere, even though the one thing I realized with sneaker deck was even though we built this great product, um, we, you know, we put our hearts into it, but a lot more people were using Facebook and until StockX has a billion sneakerheads, or, you know, like the same critical mass Facebook has, mm-hmm. Facebook is always going to crush everybody because everybody has a Facebook account, right? Right. So, if, if you, you, you know, you are the perfect person for Facebook, but maybe not StockX because you're not really a serious seller. Right. So if you and your sons just want to make a quick flip, you know, you can go there and meet them in person. Um, but the one thing you're going to have to equip yourself is with the knowledge of like what a true authentic pair is if you're a buyer, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people can sell you fakes. So if you don't really, if you've never held the pair in hand or know how it's like, or know what the, 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 cer- the certain markings of what a true authentic pair is, it's very easy to get duped into buying a fake sneaker. So on the seller side, yeah, it's easy, but also on the buyer side, uh, a, a, peop- a lot of people can take advantage of you, right? So it's just best to know what the sneaker is about so you don't fall in the trap of you know, paying a premium for a pair someone got for like 60 bucks in China and they've just like sold it to you for 650 or $700. And you just got finessed, right? So the game, there's also a dark side of it that people don't talk about. Right. Very cutthroat. It's uh, it's very aggressive. I can honestly say, like, I've been to so many sneaker trade shows here in Toronto, uh, Montreal, Ottawa, 
Um, and everywhere we go, like there's a certain attitude sneakerheads have. It's like this very uh, aggressive, very like, I don't care if you're not buying, get out of my face. There's no true, like, let's make a deal. Go, let's make a deal here. It's a very, like, very tough, tough business. And you need to have a, like, tough skin because people can smell blood. And once they see, like, okay, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. This person doesn't know the value of those shoes. I know, like, this guy told me this. This guy told me that. So it's it's a network effect that just comes down and people just, you know, if you don't have the knowledge, you're definitely going to take advantage of. And if you don't know what the shoe is, then you can easily just get sold a fake pair. So it's a very tough business. It's a very tough market from what I know and what I saw. And I even saw it in front of me. You know, we had a booth in all these different trade shows. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'd set it up. I'd walk around and I'd see, like, the different conversations going on. And, you know, people are just rude and mean to each other. And it's all just to make a sale, you know? Wow. So it sounds like you need to be a UFC fighter to, uh, to join the shoe game. Yeah. <laughs> and you need to have a good mouth, too. Because it's like, honestly, like, it's... It's it mimics a trading floor, like at the stock exchange. Wow. Okay. One of these shows, everybody's carrying their sneakers. Everybody's walking around. Everybody's like holding their their thing. Hey, buy my thing. Like this is wow. Prepared to buy buy this stock right now. It's an investment for you. It's that it it it's actually mayhem in there. Like people wow. are just walking around with their sneakers. Um, one of my good friends. Uh, what is his name? I forgot his name, but he runs all the 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 sneaker trade shows. It's called Toronto's. Uh, it's called Soul Exchange. Yeah, he does it in. You heard of Soul Exchange, right? I have. He, yeah, Dalton, Dalton Jackson, right? So he's the one. Like I used to talk to him. Like, hey, we're coming to Toronto. We're coming to Montreal. You know, we used to do business together, right? Because I was like one of his uh, vendors. Okay. So you know, just walking around with him and like seeing how like, he was like kind of like the ringleader of the whole thing as he is, because he's like the owner of soul exchange. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like that Wolf of wall street scene, like where Dalton is like, uh, Jordan Belfort. And then you have like (laughs) traders and they're all trying to like sell some stock. And it's like, they're on the phone, but the person's actually in front of you. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's madness. Honestly. Oh man. So you got to prepare yourself when you, uh, hit one of those shows it sounds like yeah yeah you gotta mentally prepare yourself and you gotta ready to fight you gotta be ready to fight wow um i know it's going to be very hard to say but you talked about the the, the fakes and Mm -hmm. maybe 10 years ago the fakes are pretty obvious but nowadays fakes have come so close that if you don't have a keen eye you may miss it what are some of the more basic things that someone can look for when they're looking to buy a sneaker that's not from a store um to help them to kind of tell the difference between a real and a fake. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's v- like the basics of it are very simple. Um, one is like the original boxing, right? There's certain things that certain sneakers come with that um, don't have the original boxing or they don't have like the certain tags that a true authentic pair would have. Right. And you can also look at the stitching too. Uh, the details is always in the stitching. I always say, so for example, like if you were to like look at like a like a Yeezy, uh, let's say like the 350s, right? The stitching will go in like an it's like a 
It's like a very detailed stitching that goes inside, 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 inside. And if you look at a fake, that stitching, so the true authentic pair, it's like very, very tight. But if you look at a fake pair, it's more spaced out. So if you look at that, you can like, you know what? I can see the stitching is like this. This is most likely a fake pair. Wow. Um, and it takes a very, very detailed eye to notice these things. And it's also like more about your knowledge of the shoe. So for example, like I can know like an Air Jordan 5 Carolina Blue, like I, an authentic pair. But if I would like see like a pair of like, you know, 11s, which I've never owned, I've never seen. And I think I know what a true 11 is, but if I've never held the box of what an 11 is, okay. and, it and you know, I can also get faked out really, I can get faked out too. So you need to know all the details of the shoes. You need to like look at, you need to go online too and see a lot of the sneaker has, they do comparison videos. Okay. These are the things to look out for. You know, you can, you can utilize a lot of other people to, educate you so you know if you're looking to get the pair you know what to look for so you don't really have to own all the pairs you can use other people's resources and judgments as well online and see what they say but for me like i'll speak on the knowledge that i have it's the tags it's the stitching of the shoe and it's also if you hold it like face like this you can always see like how like the mold of the shoe is Certain molds are like, for example, like it'll, you'll you'll see like the um, the the centering of the shoe is a little bit off balance. And let's say if you wear the shoe and like you kind of like you know how when you're dribbling in basketball and you like, let's say you take a step back and then your 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 right foot kind of like skids over and you can see if it once you press the shoe like that you can see how flimsy the shoe is. Mm -hmm. You like that's a fake. So. Those are the ways to look at it. Use other people and use your own knowledge if you've had the shoe before. Um, but if you don't, you can easily just like educate yourself online because the sneaker community is so big and so it's growing every single day that everybody's always doing a video about a certain pair and telling what other people to look out for so they don't get sold fakes. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. And let's just quickly go over a couple of the terms that people need to understand if they're going to get into this. So what does dead stock mean? So dead stock means um, it's no longer being made again. Like it's dead stock. Like this is like, like I have this shoe. It no longer exists. Um, that's pretty much what it means. They're not making it again. Okay. Okay. And colorways. Colorways. It's for example, like the Air Jordan 4 um, or like Jordan 11. So they can say bread 11. So that's like black and red uh concords so each each uh, sneaker kind of has its nickname that it got right so concords are like the gray and black so colorways are a way just to talk can it's a, it's a way just to say what the colorway of the shoe is and then the nickname of it so each shoe has its own like different nickname and colorway um so in like even like the what do you call those I was actually just wearing them out right now. Yeah, I mean, I forgot. That. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. I'm sure they'll come back to you. Uh, mm -hmm. What are some of the terms you think people should know uh, when getting in the shoe game to really understand the lingo and language? Uh, okay. I, I guess you've been out of it for a while. Uh, of course, it's kind of, you know, laying low and, and, and uh, not eating Big Macs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's like one of those is like you know because i know we don't have a lot of time to like uh you know because i'll be thinking right here and it can take like five minutes and then i can be like coming off this podcast i'm like damn i should have said this i should have said oh, it's all good oh, it's all good so saying that as well of course we do have limited time um, because it is a podcast where are some places people can go to really learn so one of the places i always go is youtube um there's a ton of tutorials on YouTube when it comes to a, a number of different things. Is there anybody specifically that you might recommend them to watch on YouTube? Yeah. Um, my friend, uh, Christian, Christian Cantalone. He's also a Toronto. He's a local Toronto guy. Uh, he makes like a lot of like great content on sneakers. Um, uh, well, who else? Yeah. Like he's like one of the, like he's actually the biggest sneaker YouTuber out there right now he also does a lot of different instagram videos he does a lot of cool content um reddit reddit is another great source to learn because everybody's incentivized to contribute because the more you contribute the more karma points you get on reddit so um youtube and reddit are like the main sources also if you join the facebook groups there's a lot of people just putting out content and educating other people on um you know sneakers Absolutely. And you mentioned before uh, sneaker apps and websites they can check out the GOAT, uh, StockX. Another one I've checked out is Sneakers on Fire, or sorry, Kicks on Fire. Oh, yeah. Kicks on Fire is another one. Um, sneaker Freaker, if you read that as well, too, is another good one. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of sneaker sites that exist now um, that you can check out, too. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, and well, you know, with, with everything you spoke about, again, just, you know, building the different uh, companies that you have built and, you know, you've, you've found success in different areas. I have no doubt that, again, you have ideas that are flowing and I'll definitely have you back on to speak about what those are as well, because ultimately this podcast is always about helping people to grow in their circumstances and become better no matter what that might be. And so mm -hmm. you bringing the entrepreneurial side and and building um, from the t-shirt business to the flipping sneakers, like you bring the information that we're looking for. So thank you so much for, for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, thank you for having me. And uh, you know, I'm definitely excited to come on another episode to just talk about business and creating and uh, you know, talk about different ways we can, you know, build things, you know, instead of just being, as you said, consumers, you know, we start thinking about being producers more than anything. And, um, every day, like I'm learning new things. I'm reading books, even like right now, I just finished reading, um, Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. Ooh, um, yeah. Shoe dog. Yeah. Shoe dog. Oh man. One of my favorite books. Yeah. I mean, I can't put that book down. I I've been wanting to read it for so long, but now that I have time, he's like, you know, let me get it. I just like, I'm, I crushed it in like four days. Yeah. So, yeah. It's one of those books you don't want to put down. Right. Um, Absolutely. So, they, they got a youth version as well as that I just uh, found out about as well. Youth version. So I haven't looked at it myself. I don't know how um, how simplistic they've made the wording, um, but it's something I'm definitely going to pass on to my kids. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, I, and I can say this, your kids are very lucky to have a dad like you who's looking out for them and who wants uh, nothing but great success for them. And you're, and you're setting the, the pillars of success. You're implanting them hey this is how you build a business these are way to be uh you know you teach them about equity you teach them about ownership and uh for me like my dad was like that but he wasn't i think as 
the way you are like, hey, look at that. You know, he did this with the, with the long cutting business. He was like, yeah, like business is cool. And I'd have to ask him because I think naturally I was interested in it. But uh, I can say your, your sons are very lucky. I don't know if you have daughters, but from what you say about your two boys, but like they're really lucky to have you because we need that. Uh, we need to teach kids about entrepreneurship from a very young age. And those are the people who are going to produce for the market and create more value for the world. And it starts from a young age and it starts from great parenting. Well, man. Oh, and I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I got, I got three sons. The last one's a baby, so he's not quite ready, but um, yeah, from, from your mouth to their ears, man, we'll check back in 10 years and see if the lessons I've taught them, if they've taken, right. If they've sunk yeah. in. So you know, check back with me in 10 years and we'll see. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'll definitely check up with you, man. And you know, this is actually our first time chatting. So now that a relationship is established, uh, you know, we can definitely like keep tabs with each other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, keep uh, working with each other so we can become successful. Absolutely. Oh, and I got two questions I want to ask you to close this out. Yep. The one, this first one here, it goes a little deep. I got this one from Oprah. Mm-hmm. Owen, what is it that you know for sure? I know for sure that I'll be a big success one day. I just don't know when, right? Uh, and I'm working towards it every single day. Like, I believe that I will be successful, that I will provide value to the world in, through a product or a service. I just don't know what it is. It could be my next idea. It could be something. But it doesn't matter to me. Even if I'm 50, 40, 60, I know I'm going to make it one day. And I know that for sure. I believe it. Cause I know I have the talent, I have the tenacity and I have the ability to execute. So if I keep doing that, I'm definitely going to hit something and it's going to resonate with the market. Oh man. I, I love that. And I got to tell you this, Owen, you know, oftentimes when I go out and speak, I, I'm a motivational speaker as well. And oftentimes when I go out and speak, I talk to people about redefining the term leadership, rede- mm-hmm. redefining the term success to include themselves. And cause oftentimes we, we kind of sell ourselves short and you just said, you know, one day I'm going to be successful. And man, I can say you're successful right now. And just the fact that you're doing the things that you're doing already, um, you know, I don't know your age. We haven't talked about that. You don't have to disclose that. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys out there from someone like myself who's out in the community doing things. There's a lot of guys out there who look to be the same age as you. And there's not a whole lot going on. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, you are already successful. And I get what you mean in terms of wanting to create that thing that's mm-hmm. going to blow it up. Um, but yeah, you're already successful, man. So whatever you put your hands on, I know will just continue to grow. And yeah, one day you will have that idea that will just blow up this world for sure. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. Oh man, no problem. So the last thing I have is this. So I'm going to give you about a minute. You're sitting in front of an audience right now and they're listening to you speak and they've, they've heard, they, they've had issues in terms of trying to jump ahead and start a business and they're failing, they're falling. And you have talked about that, falling and getting back up and starting again and trying something new and learning and growing and reading. Talk to that audience right now who's listening. You have about one minute and share with them what they need to do. Like, where does your resilience come from? What is it that gets you to continue to keep going when you fall down, when your parents don't believe in you, when you find yourself, you know, hanging out on your friend's couch because nothing else is coming together? What is it within you that keeps you going? Can you share that with this audience right now? Yeah. um, For me, the thing that keeps me going, it's having faith in 
that things are always going to keep getting better. I'm a big believer in positive thinking. And I believe if you have the desire to want to improve your life, you definitely can. I think whatever you want, you can have it. And the way I like to put it is this. Like if you want to get an iPhone, right? Like I have an iPhone and you have the desire to go get that iPhone. You're going to find ways to make it happen because you believe this thing costs a thousand dollars. So your brain is programmed to be, I've had a thousand dollars before, so I know I can get it. And I think whatever it is you want, it's exactly like that. It could be a hundred K, it could be 500 or a million. If you believe like I'm going to get it, you will find ways to get it. And you need to have faith in the process. The one thing people need to understand is that you don't need to have the answers right away. What you got to have is the idea in your head that this is what I want. And the next thing you just have to keep taking action. And it doesn't matter how big that action is. It could be a small step. If it's, um, if it's an idea for a business, you know, you can just start like I did, you know, write a name on paper, write a, like, like, what do you want to do with it? Create like a fake, like not a fake business plan, but create a mock plan and then start building on top of that. I think people need to understand that ideas start small, but they snowball super quick and things take, people want to just think idea, boom, massive thing. But you need to just take baby steps, even if you don't have the knowledge or whatever it is, just keep going, keep going and better resources are going to come along the way. And back to what I said in the beginning, it's just having faith and believing that things will start turning your way. And they always do, because if you think about it, if you dream about it and you wholeheartedly believe it, you're going to just be looking for those answers. You're going to attract those things inside of your life. So um, that's what I would tell them. Just start small and just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. And you're going to find the resources come to you out of nowhere. Like what I've found. Oh, man. Love it, man. That's some great information. Thank you so much, Owen. And I'll see you all on top of the next episode. Peace. Thank you, Jeff. Owen, man. Thank you so much, man. That was fabulous. Yeah, yeah, great hosting and great questions.